All right, y'all. I was, uh... I was, about to, I was about to walk up here and Piper asked me, she said, are you going on stage? I said, yeah, Pipes. And she said, can I come with you? <sighs> How do you say no? So, do you want to just wave? Wave? Do you want to say anything? Do you want to say go Raiders? Do you want to say anything? Do you want to run to mama? Okay, can I have a high five? Love you. Oh, oh, high fives. <laughs> oh, Pipes, the best. Y'all, Piper in the flesh. There she is. All right. We're going to make a narcissist of her after all. Okay? Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And I love, I love how this ended. And the, the wrestle that that little girl is having with Darlena. Right? And, and the, almost, she's almost mad at, at the king, right? She's wrestling with the king going like, why did he send us here? And, she, and, and do you know what she says? Do you remember what Darlene says? Oh, the king actually didn't send us here. We, we chose this. Right? Remember, remember the, the, the disobedience that we saw in 2 Kings. Again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord under the king of Jehoiakim. Right? And then we saw in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, we saw that after 20-something years of, of warning, of invitation back, the consequence of sin is exile. And, and so Darlene is wrestling with the next generation that was born into exile. Right? Do you realize this? That sin has consequence, and not just for that moment, sin has generational consequence for them in Babylon. That some 60-something years have gone by since Daniel in the lion's den, which means a, a whole new generation has been born into exile that is reaping the consequence of the sins of their people. That sin oftentimes doesn't just affect you and me. Sin affects the people around us. It has consequences. And last night, I loved that we got to look at this gospel message, and some of you, for the very first time, stood up and recognized and surrendered your life to the Lord. And as a son of the king of the universe, as a daughter of the king of the universe, I hope, my prayer is that today, as you walked through your day, it was a little bit different. That if you stood up last night to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time, y'all, your head popped off the pillow this morning as a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. Don't take that lightly. And my hope is, yeah, heck yeah, give it up for that. Come on now. And my hope is, my hope is that that doesn't, that doesn't fade, right? The, the goal of camp, and I know your leaders, your youth pastors would agree with me here, Hume would agree with me here, the, the, the goal of camp is not just to come up to a mountain and have like this hype week, and then like it lasts for a little bit until you're just like, man, I can't wait for winter camp, and I can't wait for summer camp, which like I get, like if you live for camp, like I love camp too, but our, if our relationship with God is strung camp to camp to camp, I think we're missing the point of what sonship and of what being a daughter of the king is all about. And I love uh, Piper has started, like she's old enough now to where she's actually started to help me with like some chores. Right? Like uh, the other day, she asked me literally, she was like, Dada, can I, can I help feed Bandit? Like, which is our dog. We have a little Australian shepherd. And, and, and I was like, I mean, 
absolutely, right? Like that is like my chore and only my chore. So she literally like picks up the bowl. She goes over, she like unscrews the lid of the thing, gives him a scoop, walks over, spills it all over the place, right? And I'm like, I love that you're trying, right? Like I love that we're here for it. And so she's like, she's like helping me around the house. And so the other day I was going out um, and I was, I was taking out the trash and I'm gonna run into that if I don't move that, okay? I'm taking out the trash and when I take out the trash, I live in Fallbrook, and so it's like I have, a, I have this like long driveway. It's on like a steep hill, and we've got to take our trash cans all the way down to the end of this little driveway, and so it's a, it's a little bit of a haul. And so I, when I take out the trash, right, I grab both the trash cans, I get like the recycling bin and the regular bin, and this is like typically my pace with two full trash cans. It's something like this, right? I'm like taking the trash out. This is what it looks like. Ta-da, that is the trash taken out, okay? I know, I know, I know. It's pretty great. So Piper runs out the other day. Piper runs out and she goes, hey, Dada, can I help you take the trash out? And I already have both bins right here. Let me remind you of my pace. Right, so Piper stops. She goes, Dada, can I help you? And I'm like, uh, nope, right? No, I'm just kidding, right? And, and like, I, I look at her and I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Like, let's, let's do this. And so uh, she, she like reaches up her hand like this and I, I bend down with just the one recycling bin. So I got like the one bin up here and like the one bin like literally like down like this low so homegirl can reach it. And I'm like, and I start doing this. And I kid you not, she looks at me and says, whoa, dada, slower. <laughs> and I'm like, like, we're on a hill, right? So it's, like, it's a little bit sketchy. And so we're, like, going, and, and I, I was, like, an hour just to, like, take the bins down the end of the driveway, like, at a snail's pace, and my back was cramping, and I was, like, this is literally the most inefficient thing on planet Earth. And, and the whole time it struck me, I was, like, this is, this is the most ironic thing that, like, she thinks she's helping me right now. Like, she's, like, hey, Dada, can I help you take out the trash? And I'm, like, LOL. And then, and then I was thinking about it afterwards. I was, like, how often... Like, I'm a, I, I'm a pastor. I'm in ministry. Like, I love what I get to do. I love working at a church. But I was thinking about it, like, after I, was, I watched this go down, it's like, dang, like, how often am I doing my job or am I, like, living my life as a follower of Jesus? And I'm like, I got you, God. And I'm like, like, like I'm, do, I'm doing the whole, like, church pastor thing or I'm, like, up at a camp or I'm, you know, like, sharing my faith with the people around me and I'm like, hey, I got you. And, and, like, the irony was, is, like, how silly would it be if Piper, after an hour of, like, the most painstakingly inefficient taking the trash out, if she looked at me and she was like, hey, I got you, Dad. I'd be like, do you have my chiropractor bill, too? Right? Like, that, that was not helpful. And here's the, here's the irony. I think when you and I view ourselves as, like, God needs me. Or when we view ourselves, like when we start viewing ourselves too highly, like when we start taking our Christianity, like the irony of us being prideful human beings is like we can start being prideful even in our Christianity. We can start being prideful, like, like you know the old like church joke of like you, you stack a bunch of chairs or like you got like three, four chairs in each arm and you set them out and you like set them out and you're like, right? Like, like super Christian. And it's like, I, like I know the chairs thing is a joke, but like beyond that, it's really easy to start going into church and like to know, like maybe I've asked a rhetorical question this week that you knew the answer to and in the back of your head, do you like dap yourself up? Or like you know the answer to like a church trivia question or a Bible trivia question and you're like, we was, we, that pride seeps in and it's really easy to start thinking that we can do these massive things for God. And I'm not saying you can't be useful to God, but God doesn't need you. 
And God doesn't need me. And yet he chooses to be with us. And he chooses to walk with us. And I don't want us to forget that in Romans chapter 5 last night, it said, while we were still his enemies at just the right time, when God's timing was perfect, he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus chose to die for us. And so the reason I bring that up tonight is because, friends, as we go home, as we take this home, and I want to look at a prayer in Daniel chapter 9, I want us to understand that God desires to do life with us. My heart and my reason that I take the trash out with Piper is because I want to do things with my daughter. I love living life with my daughter, and that doesn't mean efficiency. I think if God was after efficiency, he wouldn't have taken 11 guys in Matthew chapter 28 and said, ready, go into all nations and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. These 11 dudes, like a couple weeks previously, Jesus died on the cross, and they were like, hmm, we thought he was the one. And they go back to fishing. Right? It's, like, it's not like these 11 dudes were like the elite of the elite of Israel. They missed it over and over and over and over again. Do you realize that when Jesus called those 11 or the, when he called the 12 to follow him, they didn't fully understand who this Jesus character was. It wouldn't be till chapters later that Jesus would say, who do you say that I am? And one of them will speak up and say, you're the Messiah. We think we start to understand who you are. And he's like, good. But that was in the process of following Jesus. There's a, there's a, a, a passage in John chapter 6. I love this verse where a bunch of people, Jesus teaches a hard truth. And a bunch of the people that were just there for like the dog and pony show, they all walk away. And they go, what? You want us to what? You want us to give you our whole life? You want us to surrender everything? You want to be Lord of our life? And like, there's a whole group of people that walk away. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, what about you? Do you also want to leave? And I love Peter's response. Hey, Peter speaks up in John chapter 6, and he, and he basically says, I don't fully get it. I don't fully understand. He says, this is a hard truth. He says, but where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life, and my hope and my prayer is that this week you have tasted eternity. That the goodness of this week, right? Like the, the, to be able to sing in a room full of people, Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. When everything else around me is shaken, I'll put my hope and I'll put my trust in you, right? I hope and my prayer is that that's not just a hype song and an energy that moves in this place. Because y'all, that was fun, right? Like there's no denying, like to be in a room full of people that are like that hype singing something is just fun. And yet I hope it's so much more than just fun. That Matthew chapter 7 rings true in your life. If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you'll be like the man, you'll be like the woman whose house is built on the, on the rock. Christ is my firm foundation. I love that Peter goes, this is a hard truth. I don't fully get it, but where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. As you go down the mountain, I promise you, it will get difficult to follow Jesus. Ask any adult in this room if following Jesus for them has been easy, and I promise you their answer will be no. Have there been awesome times? 100%. Have there been difficult moments? 100%. Is following Jesus easy? No. Is it worth it? Absolutely. But it's a process. Even the disciples who were with Jesus in the flesh got it wrong and missed it. 
And God doesn't need you, and yet he desires to be with you. He desires to use you in a mighty way for his kingdom. Hey, so Daniel chapter 9, I just want to read this prayer to you. And then I want to give you a couple of tips and tricks, some tools on how to go home. Right? How do we do this as we go down this mountain? So Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. This is Daniel's prayer. He says this. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God. Hey, uh, keep in mind, this is like an 80-something-year-old Daniel. Hey, 60-something years in exile. This is near the end of his life. This is what he's praying. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Um, where is Daniel? Babylon. Is he home? No. Is he in exile? Yeah. Has he spent the majority of his life faithful to this God? Yes. And yet, has his God come through to bring him home? No. And what are the first words out of his mouth in this prayer? The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. Friends, do you remember what I said day one? The most mature thing you can do as a follower of Jesus is just believe that you are loved. Hey, Daniel did an incredible job of going, I understand and believe that I'm loved, not just up here, but I live that way. Do you know how much of your life, do you know how much of my life would shift and change if I went down the mountain and I just walked through life believing that I am fully known and fully loved by the God of the universe, that he keeps his command of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. And then verses seven, verse 7 through 15, he's wrestling with God about the sins of his people, and yet he knows that God is faithful. And in verse 15, it says this, Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, right? he's reminding himself of who this God is in his character. We have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem your city, your holy hill, our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. And then listen to his honesty here. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Y'all, do you hear the honesty in Daniel's voice here? I, I love that we have prayers like this. When you're wrestling, right, like, like go to the Psalms. Ask your pastor. Ask one of your leaders. Hey, can you, can you tell me what a psalm of lament is? Just go read the Psalms where David cries out to his God. Like, y'all, Legit, there are times where I'm reading the Psalms where I'm like, you're allowed to talk to God like that? Like, that's okay? And God goes, yeah, print it. We'll put it in the Bible. It, not only is it okay, he gives it to us as a model. He goes, I want, I don't just want the like pretty, like good face, smiling version of you. He said, you don't have to come to church and clean yourself up. He doesn't look at you as his son, as his daughter, only when everything is going okay for you. That God can handle your doubts. God can handle your wrestle. And as you go home, whether you gave your life to, the, to Jesus for the very first time this week, 
Or maybe there was a moment of repentance this week. Or maybe you're just still wrestling. As you go down the mountain, friend, God can handle it. Would you come to him openly and honestly? Right? Imagine any like healthy, earthly father, earthly mother that only wanted to talk to their kids when everything was okay. Right? Y'all saw me interact with Piper for like three hours. And some of you saw something like some really fun moments. Others of you walked by when homegirl was like melting down, right? And you're like, hi, Piper. And she's like, mm. It's like, imagine if in those moments I was like, that's not my daughter. Like that would never happen. And my love for Piper, like my acceptance for Piper is like a drop in the bucket compared to the like Niagara Falls that is God's love for you. As an earthly father, as an earthly mother, like our examples to Piper, is, it's like the smallest iota of God's acceptance and love of you. And as you go down this mountain, friend, be honest with him, be open with him. And let me tell you, as you go, my greatest fear for you, and my single greatest fear for this room full of high school students, I think there's like 380 something in camp this week. My greatest fear is not that you go home and you come up with some sort of uh, evidence, that you come forward with a video or an article or a book. Like my, my fear is not that you come forward with some sort of evidence that disproves Christianity or disproves the resurrection. Hey, do you know this about Christianity? That to follow Jesus, to have a life surrendered to Jesus, Christianity, it's not some sort of philosophical ideology. It's, it's not a sage advice or wisdom. All of Christianity hinges on one historical event. If you disprove the resurrection, you disprove all of Christianity. If you disprove the resurrection, you disprove the Bible. If you came to me with some sort of like hard and fast evidence that said, hey, here's actually proof that Jesus isn't alive, that he stayed dead. Friend, I quit my job tomorrow. I stopped teaching at camps. I'm not going to be a youth pastor anymore. If you can disprove the resurrection, you disprove all of Christianity. And so it comes down to, did Jesus walk the earth undeniably? Outside of Christianity, complete atheist sources will say that Jesus was an absolute real human being in history. And so the question is not, was Jesus real? The question is, did Jesus live the life that he said he lived? Did he die on the cross? And then did he resurrect himself? No other religion on planet earth can make that claim. That their God became flesh and then resurrected himself, called his shot. If I said right now, it's Friday, I'm going to die and I'll be back on Monday. It, like, what are y'all doing? On Monday, you're like, nope, stayed dead. Moving on, right? Another psycho. Like, it's not going to happen. But if Jesus goes, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to resurrect myself from the dead, the question is, did it happen or did it not happen? Christianity hinges on that. So my greatest fear for you is not that you're going to go down the mountain and you're going to like find some video, some TikTok, some YouTuber that goes like, I've disproved Christianity. Here's why the Bible isn't true. Here's why it contradicts itself. That's not my fear. In 10 years of pastoral ministry, I, I could probably count on one hand the conversations where somebody came to me and said, hey, I have like this evidence that Christianity isn't real. And I've, I love sitting down with those people and just having a real honest conversation. But even if within those five conversations, most of the time I come and I go, hey, did you think about this? Or have you seen this backstory? Or let me walk you through why in the Bible. Or like, there, I, I love those conversations. But in 10 years of pastoral ministry, I haven't had a single conversation that made me go, oh, shoot. So my fear for you is not that you find this evidence, but my fear for you is this, my single greatest fear. 
My single greatest fear for my daughters is that they grow up in the church, that they have an encounter with Jesus like you have this week, and then that you go down the mountain and that you settle for some mediocre version of following Jesus. Because to follow Jesus is the greatest life you could ever have. It's the greatest adventure you could ever embark on. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you might have life and life abundant. That Christianity following Jesus was never meant to be this like, eh, I'll go on Wednesdays and and Sundays if I can. Following Jesus was never meant to be uh, like a, like the you know like the partition plates right that have like the like section down below and then like the section up top and like following Jesus was never meant to be like I'll give you this little section of my life. It, it, Jesus will either be Lord of your life or nothing at all. And so as you go down the mountain, my single greatest fear for you is that you will settle for a mediocre version of following Jesus. Because friends, that I've watched happen time and time and time and time again. Where students will graduate from my ministry and they'll go off to college and I'll, I'll follow up with them or I'll have this conversation with them. And they're like, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like, how's, how's your walk with the Lord? Like, how's, how's it going? Have you plugged into a church? No, nah, I haven't really found a church yet. Nah, I haven't really gotten plugged in. Like, how, how's your relationship with Jesus? No, nah, it's good. Like, I still believe it's true. It's just, you know. I'm like, no, I don't know. What do you, what do you mean? Or like, they, these are the conversations I want to wrestle with. I want to like, I love my crew back home. I love the students I get to do life with. But my greatest fear for you and my greatest fear for them is that they won't understand the full depth of what it means to follow Jesus. They'll settle for like the courtyard of Disneyland. And they won't embark on all that is Disneyland when you dive into God's word and understand this is the greatest life you could ever have. Lean into following Jesus and watch him surprise you time and time and time and time again. So the question's how, right? How do we do this? And you might sit here and go, all right, Austin, I'm in. I don't want to settle. But, but what do I do with this? And this is where if you're taking notes tonight, you just write this reference down. You don't have to turn there just for the sake of time, but just write down John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Y'all ever open up the Bible and read it? And like you're reading a verse and you read it and you're like, mm, mm-hmm, wait, what? That ever happened to you? This is one of those verses for me, okay? John chapter 16, verse 7. This is Jesus and his guys. It's on his last night. And he says this to him. He looks at his disciples and he says, it's better for you that I go away. And I read that and I go, mm, mm-hmm, wait, huh? Because here's why, right? Like you go home tomorrow and you go back to your church and I know like y'all have some like rad youth pastors and youth leaders here. Like I've gotten to hang out with them and interact with them this week. Like your crew is nuts. Like you all have like some superstar leaders here. However, if Jesus of Nazareth was going to be guest speaking at your youth group this week. I promise you, there's not a single person in this room that would be like, "Mm, I'm a little tired from camp, right? Like if Jesus himself was at your youth group, he was showing up, he was guest speaking, homie was going to play dodgeball, and then he was going to speak later, and he was going to get up on a stage and go, let me tell you about myself. How many of you would line up afterwards and go like, um, Mr. Nazareth, I have a few questions, right? Like, do you, know, do you know how rad that would be if I could go out to coffee with Jesus and be like, can you help me understand a few things? Because like, I love you and I love your word, but I still have a lot of questions. And I wish I could sit 
physically across from Jesus and like sip a cup of coffee and like share something and be like eating with the God of the universe that spoke into existence the world around me and just be like, oh, it's Jesus. Selfie, right? Like how sick would that be? And yet Jesus himself goes, it's better for you that I go away. Huh? How? How is that possibly better for us to not have a physical Jesus? And the only way that it's better is what he says. He says, it's only better for me because I'm going to send one. I'm going to send someone, the advocate, that the spirit of the living God is going to dwell within you if you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, last night, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And upon that saving, the Bible makes it crystal clear that the God of the universe makes his dwelling within you that you are now the temple of the living God and that the Holy Spirit, God's presence, dwells within you. So wherever you go, you are not alone. That God walks with you there. And I love the way Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 puts it. It says, walk by the Spirit. Don't you love that it says walk? Hey, anybody hate running in here? Hey, I know there's some of you that are like super into running. You're like, yeah, I went on a run yesterday. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, right? Like I... I, I always loved running for like the sake of sports. Like if there was a ball involved, I was like all day long. But like people that just run for the sake of running, like honestly, you're kind of like readers to me. I want to be you. Like genuinely, like people that enjoy running, I'm like, I'm so jealous of you. Like, cause I, I wish with everything in me, I just like loved, like I, they were like, you know, like runner's high. And I'm like, no, I don't know. It's like every time I run, I'm like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate everything about it. It's like all, everything about running was like to, to play a sport for me. And everything about reading, like I would love to love to read. I'm just not there. Like I, I can't like sit down. Like I sit down with like a, a book by like a fire and I'm like, good, moving on, right? Like what's next? Like can we do something else? And like I, I want to be that type of person. But I love that it says walk by the Spirit, it doesn't say sprint, it doesn't say run, it doesn't say like strive with everything you want, it says walk by the Spirit. And I go, oh, I can do that. I, I can walk. Walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. When your Bible uses the word walk, it's referencing the regular pattern of your life. There's 168 hours in a week. Most of us, right, we struggle with Christianity because we want to be 12 steps down the road. We want to talk about five years from now. We want to talk about where do I want to be in a year from now? Friends, tomorrow, walk with Jesus. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, Galatians 5.16 says. For the, the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit to keep you from doing what you want to do. Anybody else relate to that? You ever done something that you really don't want to do, and you go, mm, I did it again. Walk by the Spirit and watch how that shifts. Daily, right? Feed the spirit by walking with him, of walking into a room, being aware of him. Worship is something you are, not something you do. Start worshiping. Be a worshiper that just is aware of God in every circumstance of your life. Walk by him. Hey, anybody really good with directions in here? Really good with directions. What's your name? Jordan. Jordan. You made me my bracelet, right? Thanks, Jordan. Um, oh, Karina made it, so you're just lying to me? Okay. No, that's cool. That's cool, Jordan. That's fine. Thanks, Karina. Jordan's a liar. Um, just kidding, Jordan. Just kidding. Okay, Jordan, you're good with directions? Okay. All right, Jordan. Um, at, well, first of all, before Jordan goes, uh, where are my like board sport people at? Like 
skateboard, surfboard, wakeboard. Am I missing any boards? Okay, um, if I, try not to die here. So many cords up here. If I do this, what's this called? Okay, what's this called? Board people in the room. 180, okay? If I do this, what's this called? Okay, if I do this, what's this called? I'm just kidding, that's all I got, okay? Wait, why is this called a 180? Why is it called 360? Because there's 360 degrees in a circle. Y'all are so smart, okay? So, Jordan, if I were to give you directions, and I said, hey, I planted a, a, a red flag. Right? It's got this, like, you know, big flagpole, big red flag. I planted a red flag 100 yards away, just a football field, right? Not too far outside of the chapel. It's 100 yards from here. I planted the red flag, and you and I were standing right next to each other. I gave you directions to it, but I just set you off by one degree to the coordinates of that red flag. By the time you reached the destination of the red flag, just off by one degree, you would miss my red flag by about five feet, Hey. Okay? Not that big of a deal. If you're good with directions, you'd get there and be like, ah, there it is, five feet away. Walk over here, found the red flag, okay? But if we started right here in the chapel, and I said, hey, I'm going to plant that red flag a mile away. And it was, a, it was a mile away, I planted it, and then you started right here, and I went, remember, off by one degree. You said you're good at directions. I'm just going to set you off by one degree, you'll find it. By the time you traveled one mile, you would miss that red flag by 92 feet, Still probably see it, still probably get there, not that big of a deal, but you're a little bit off, right? Now, if we were to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that red flag and I'm gonna plant it in the middle of Phoenix, okay? Where my Arizona friends at, okay? This red flag's gonna plant in Phoenix about 340, 350 miles from here to Phoenix. And I just planted that red flag in the middle of Phoenix and I said, ready, Jordan? It's gonna take you a little longer, right? And, but I, and then I just, from, from here, from the chapel, I just set you off by one degree you would actually miss Phoenix by about six miles. Again, not the end of the world, but you're pretty far off at this point, just one degree. If we were to leave Hume, and I would say, hey, you're about to go on the adventure of a lifetime, and I want you to go all the way around the world and then come back here to Hume. You have to travel all the way around. You gotta go all the way across the US. You gotta go all, you gotta get in a plane, ship, helicopter, whatever you want to do, right? Go all the way across the Atlantic, all the way across Europe, all the way across Asia, come all the way back to the Pacific and come back here to Hume. You would miss Hume by 435 miles and be pretty deep in Baja, California somewhere. One degree off. Now, Jordan, if we were to get in a rocket ship, I said, Mr. Elon Musk, can I borrow one of those rocket ships? And we just took a, a rocket ship from here, from Hume Chapel, and I just set you off by one degree, and I said, I planted that red flag on the moon. And I said, I want you to grab that red flag for me, and we got in a rocket ship, and we put the coordinates to the, to the moon there, and then we just set the rocket ship off by one degree. How many degrees in the circle? 360. One degree. It, it's such a small detail. It's such a small thing. If you're just one degree off, by the time... You traveled the distance from here to the moon. You would miss the moon by 4,169 miles. Not even close. You're way off at this point. So one degree, friends, matters. If you go down the mountain and you make a one degree decision this week, a small compromise, just a, just a little baby compromise of like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to go and hang out with that crew. It's fine. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look at this. It's just this one night. It's just one time. I'm just gonna, like, it's not even that disrespectful of a conversation with mom and dad. Like, we just make like one little compromise. Do you know what, what, what difference that's gonna make in the next week? The, the, the honest answer is probably not that big of a difference. You know what kind of difference that's gonna make in a month? 
Maybe a little noticeable, not that noticeable. A year, you keep making those small compromises. A year from now, two years from now, three years from now, that's the recipe for settling for a mediocre version of following Jesus. On the flip side, if you go home and you open up your Bible, you worship God through music, you spend time in community, you make one degree decisions towards Jesus, do you know what kind of difference it's going to make in a, a week from now? Probably not that big of a difference. You ever open up your Bible and go, all right, you're going to read, and then afterwards you're like, hmm, I don't feel any different. Right? Y'all, that would be like you taking me to the gym and being like, all right, Austin, you said you hate running. We're going to get you in shape. And I was like, okay. Right? And like we, we, we like went to the gym, and we worked out really hard. And then like the next day, I was like, did it work? Did it happen? Am I in shape now? Right? Like somebody recently said this to me. They were like, it's not a dad bod. It's a father figure. And I was like... <laughs> I love that, right? I'm taking that to the bank, right? I love, somebody print that on a t-shirt for me. Like, it's like, that's amazing. And, and yet, if you go to the gym one time, if you eat healthy one time and go, did it work? You go, friend, it's been a week. But let me tell you this, high school student in the room, leader in the room, the decisions you're making right now today are absolutely impacting who you will be five years from now. If you're sitting in this room and you want to be a wife, you want to be a husband, you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, a businessman, a mom, a dad that honors the Lord and expands his kingdom, the decisions that you're making today, right here, right now, will absolutely determine who you will be in the future. And I think we fool ourselves all the time and go, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just a freshman. I'm just a senior in high school. I'm just a kid. Like, I'll grow up later. And friend, who you are today is impacting who you'll be then. Okay, so I want to give you four things, just four pillars, and this is how we're going to end. Four things that are like, um, who likes bowling in the house, okay? Now, keep your hand up if you use the bumpers. Anybody use the bumpers in here? I like using the bumpers, but mainly because I like to stand like this, and I like to see how many times I can get to go, ding, 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 all the way down, right? It's fun. So these four things that I'm going to give you, view them kind of as bowling bumpers, right? If Jordan was one degree off, and she was traveling the mile, and by the time she reached the red flag, she was 92 feet off. What if, what if one of these four things, when, like when she was maybe uh, like half a mile off, bumped her back on track? Does that make sense? Or like if, if you're one degree off and something could bump you back on track, then by the time you got to your destination, you'd be directly at the red flag. So here's four things that will be course corrections for you as you go home. And the first one is this. The first one is the Bible. And we've been talking about this uh, all week long, but I wholeheartedly believe that this is the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. 66 books, 40 authors, written over 2,000 years on three continents and three languages that tells one story. Not what we have to do to get to God, but what God has done to get to us. But friends, can we just have an honest moment real quick? Any of you ever read the Bible before? Really authentically, genuinely tried to read the Bible and still left confused? Still left like, I just don't get it. Like, I, 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 I even want to. I just like, Ugh. Hey, but I, I think if we're not careful more often than not, right, we just like open it up randomly or we try to read it in random places or worse, we do like the magic eight ball thing, right? And we're like, here comes my devotional time. We just open it up and we're like, Mm, yes, of course. If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you've instructed many. 
how you've strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who have stumbled. You've strengthened faltering knees. My knees do kind of hurt today. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Amen. I guess that's reading the Bible, right? And we, we miss it. We miss what God's word is all about. Okay? Any Marvel fans in the house? Okay. Um, okay, I believe this about Marvel fans. I believe there are two types of Marvel fans. I believe there are Marvel fans, and then I believe that there are Marvel fans. Okay? And uh, recently, well, actually, it wasn't that recently, but I went to watch the uh, um, Endgame. Is that what it's called? The Marvel Endgame? I went to watch the, the Endgame movie with our college ministry at our church. And full disclosure, when I went to see Endgame, I hadn't seen all the other Marvel movies. Okay? All the people grumbling and complaining right now are your Marvel people. Okay? And so I went in and I sat next to my buddy Sean, and my buddy Sean is a Marvel person. Like, homie's got the backpack. Okay? And so I'm sitting down next to him, and I'm watching the scene where... Uh, Thanos, 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 I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm so, this, I'm so sorry, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, homegirl almost lost her mind up here, right, she's like, that's it, I'm out, right, like, I, no respect anymore, okay, Thanos, Thanos, okay, Thanos is, is like pressing the axe into Thor's chest, right, you know the scene that I'm talking about, okay, and it's all going, and the whole movie theater is like tense, and then all of a sudden, the camera does this beautiful work where it like pans behind Thor, and then you hear this like, and it's like, boom, all of a sudden, Thanos is like knocked off his track, and it's like, and Captain America, like blue spandex boy, he like catches the hammer, and the whole theater, y'all, I kid you not, the whole theater, as soon as Captain America was like, caught the hammer, lost their minds. And I was sitting there, and I was like, and this was me, I was like, what, what, wait, what? And I look at my buddy Sean, and I'm like, Sean, what, what, I don't get it. And he just gave me the dirtiest look of all time, right? He was like, you don't, you don't understand, right? And I was like, clearly not, right? Like, that's why I'm asking the question. I'm like, what, what happened? And he was like, oh. I'm like, can you please just stop making me feel stupid? Like, uh, can you just explain it to me, please? And he goes, oh. so that's Thor's hammer. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and Thor's hammer, it was, a, it was a gift to him. And on the side of it is like this inscription. And it's like, it's got this name. It's, you know, it's Jonathan. And I'm like, it's Jonathan? Like, what the freaking hammer's name is Jonathan? And he's like, ah, never mind. And he's like, there's this inscription on the side of the hammer. And it says like, only he who is worthy to, to yield the hammer can yield the hammer. And I'm like, oh, like, that's why like the big buff green guy, like he tried to pick it up. He's like, Hulk. I'm like, yeah, sorry, Hulk. Like he tried to pick it up and like his feet sunk into the asphalt. He's like, exactly, not worthy. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that I'm like, blue Spanix boy, who is he? And he's like, oh. like, he was in Brooklyn. He was like the scrawny little guy, right? And then like, he jumped on the grenade when nobody else would jump on the grenade. And like, he shows all this character. And then like, he goes in this little machine and they're gonna like make him super buff. And then they're like, shut it down. And then he's like, oh, I can handle it. And then he comes out of this machine, like super buff Captain America. And like, nobody really likes him, but he's also like, kind of like the leader and he has all this character. So catches it. He's worthy to yield the hammer. And I'm like, Oh, like that makes sense. Like that makes a lot of sense. He's like, watch the movies. I'm like, all right, fine. Geez, sorry. And like sitting there, the reason I was so confused when everybody else in the theater lost their minds is I had no context. I didn't understand it. it I was just entering into a movie. Right? You ever have like been watching a show and somebody comes in in like the middle of the show and they won't stop asking you questions and you're like, please just go and watch it yourself, right? Then come back and we can all enjoy it. But y'all, 
I think we do this way too often. We open up the Bible and we read some random passage or we open up a verse and we read some random verse and we go, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you're like, mm, put it on the cleats. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that verse has nothing to do with touchdowns, like literally nothing. It has everything to do with contentment. The apostle Paul's in prison and he's writing about the ability to have joy in circumstances where it seems that have, like it's impossible to have joy. And he goes, I've been as rich as you can possibly be. I've had money, I've been well-fed. I've done all these things and I've also been poorer than poor. I've been starving, I've been shipwrecked, I've been snake bitten, I've been left for dead. And he says, I've experienced the highs, I've experienced the lows. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when you read it in that context, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Friends, just like Marvel, if I sit there not understanding the context, I'm sitting confused. If you start reading the Bible in its context, if you go to, up to one of your leaders and ask them a question, hey, will you walk through a book of the Bible with me? There's not a leader in this room that goes, eh. They, they want to disciple you, walk with you, learn alongside you, read the Bible in its context, and watch how this thing goes from black and white to vivid color. And you're going to fall in love with God's word as you understand how the stories tie to one another. Old Testament to New Testament, right? Prophecies to prophecies fulfilled. How the church, when it originated, as impacting the church today. Dive into this book sincerely, authentically, seeking God, and watch how this book transforms your life. Pillar number one, course corrector number one, is the Bible. Number two, prayer. And if I'm being honest with you, this is the most difficult one for me. I wrestle with this a lot. I, I, I wish I could tell you I could stand up here as like somebody who um, is like a prayer warrior who like spends hours at a time. Like I, I have friends and I have people that I look up to that are just like when they pray, when they spend time in prayer, like there's, there's impact and there's movement. I'm like, dang, like I want that. And I'm, I'm working on it. And it's like, it's, a, it's something that I'm wrestling with. But prayer, I think we confuse it often that we think prayer is like these and thous. Right? Sometimes we think God speaks like New King James. And especially when we pray out loud, we have to be like, use big words and it's got to sound a certain way. And it's like, uh, that's not prayer, friends. One of my favorite definitions of prayer is this. It's that prayer is simply spending time with the person who loves you the most. That the God of the universe desires to speak with you, to be with you. And yet, if you have like a best friend in this room, right, like my, my question for you would be this. If you talked to your best friend as much as you talk to God, would your best friend still be your best friend? Does that make sense? Right, like, like I'm married to Paige. If I spoke to Paige as much as I speak to God, would we have a healthy relationship? Like if we pray three times a day before we have meals or like every once in a while as we're falling asleep, don't lie, you've done it right? Y'all ever done it? Your head hits the pillow and you're like, hey, Lord, huh? thanks for today. Thank you for, right? Like, but for real, like if I, if I talk to Paige as much as I talk to God and it's like three times a day for 30 seconds before a meal and then every once in a while before we fell asleep, like how much of a, how much of a relationship would Paige and I have? And yet I think there's a lot of us in this room that wrestle with a relationship with God and we go like, I just don't, I don't really experience God. Like, I'm just not, like, we're not really connected. Like, I go to camp and I like it and, like, we're, I'm here for it. But, like, I'm just wrestling. Like, I don't have a whole lot of relationship with him. And I would just turn it back on you and go, do you know how to make a relationship with another human? 
A lot of it is talking and trust and learning about one another. The same thing is true about God. Prayer is simply spending time with the person who loves you the most. And if you don't pray at all right now, friends, start simple. And if you pray a little bit right now, take another step. If you pray for five minutes a day, tomorrow try to pray for five minutes and 30 seconds. Right? Like just practice it, write them down, pray out loud. That's one of the like, hardest things for me, but one of the best things for me. I've started to do this more and more, especially when I'm alone in my car. And y'all, if I'm being totally transparent with you, I feel insane. But I love it because my mind doesn't drift. If I pray in my head, I'm like praying and I'm like walking, and I'm like wrestling with God and I start thinking about in and out. I'm like, ah, stop. If I'm praying out loud, I get to have like an, on, like an out loud conversation. It's very rare, I'm not saying it's impossible, it's very rare that I'm having a conversation and then all of a sudden I just go in and out. Right? Like, it, like it doesn't happen. But in my brain, it does happen. And so praying out loud is something that could just maybe help you connect with God through prayer. Number three, Number three is something we've been doing all week, and it's worship through music. Hey, and and I, I say specifically worship through music because I believe that worship is something we can do in any arena. You can worship playing dodgeball. You can worship eating a meal. You can worship in a rad conversation with somebody. But specifically, I'm going to give you pillar number three as like the course corrector, the one degree course corrector is worship through music because I believe that music is powerful. You ever heard a song? that you haven't heard in forever and you still know every word, that's the power of music. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? That's the power of music. What if the song that you knew every word to or the song that was stuck in your head was, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And that was the song that you just walked through life going like, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you'll be like the man, you'll be like the woman that, that builds their house on the rock. Hey, music is powerful and God knows it. He created it. He made it. If, there's not a single person in this room that if I asked you to give me the ABCs, there's not one of you that would go A, B, C, D. No, like that's crazy talk. If I asked you to give me the ABCs, we would all go A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, all right, all right, enough, right? Hey, music is powerful. It's how kids learn. All of Piper's toys, right, like homegirl's toys, all of them are set to some sort of music. Anything with a battery is set to music. Hey, she has this one otter, like this little bear that she took, or I guess it's an otter, not a bear. It's like she takes it everywhere with her and it's got like a Christmas cap on. And like literally, I think like a month or two ago, my wife threw it away because it had this little button in its foot. And when you press the button, button, right? <laughs> I, beca I became Dante there for a second. Sorry, bro. Right? When you press the button, right? Uh, it would sing the song, it would sing the song, for kicks and you know that song right and so in the middle of the night I can't tell you how many times I would be like going to the bathroom or like letting my dog out or something and it's like dark and I would like kick it and be like ooh and I was like demons right like like that that stuff's scary y'all and like all of her so many of her toys are set to music why why are kids toys set to music it's because music is powerful it teaches us. It reminds us. And so I'm going to challenge you as you go home, right? If you haven't already, like, uh, find a member of the band, like, even, like, right after this chapel, or maybe, like, go to your youth pastor and just go, like, hey, can you, what songs did we sing this week? Do you have a worship playlist on Spotify? Follow it. Start playing it, right? If you're going to have AirPods in, listen to worship music. And if you're going to have just one AirPod in when you're trying to talk to somebody, stop. Okay, that's just a side note, okay? But number four, pillar number four. Pillar number four is each other, okay? 
And I'm going to start by doing this. Uh, if you're a leader in this room, if you're a youth pastor, uh, life group leader, if you came up here as an adult, can you stand your feet right now? Okay. All right. First of all, Dante, I love you. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I put you on blast. Um, okay. Leaders, stay standing for me for a second. First of all, first of all, okay, students in this room, look at me real quick, students in this room, not right now, not right now, let me double down on that, if you haven't already, before you leave this mountain, look these men, look these women in the eye and say thank you, okay, again, not right now, here's why, these men, these women, a lot of them gave up a week of work, a lot of them stepped away from spouses, they definitely stepped away from the comfort of their own home and their own bed. Some of them are taking vacation time to be here with you. Right? And the number one reason, we talked about this yesterday, the number one reason they're here is because they desire to see your life transformed by Jesus. And this week has been awesome, largely due to these men and women in your life. As you go down the mountain, keep leaning on them. Right? Keep pressing into them. These men, these women, they want to walk alongside you. They want to encourage you. They want to spur you on. They want to pray for you. They probably already have been praying for you. And so as you go down the mountain, don't neglect the fact that you have these men and these women who desire to do life with you. And I think way too often we just look at youth leaders and we just go like, oh yeah, that's just my youth leader. That's just my youth pastor. As if that's normal. To have like a healthy adult in your life that desires to like walk through the nitty gritty, the hard stuff and loves you and wants to do that with you. Hey, lean into these men and women. Hey, y'all can sit down for me. Thank you. So pillar number four is each other. So the first part of each other is those leaders. The second part of each other is each other. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or so one woman sharpens another. Y'all were meant to do this together. No one was ever meant to follow Jesus alone. Right? One of my favorite countries in the world is South Africa, and I have some, like, two, of my two of my best friends. Okay, all right. Two of my best friends live over there, and they run an organization over there, and so I've gotten to go over to South Africa a handful of times, and every time I've gone, I've gotten to go on like safari, and the, the funny thing about safari for me is like everything on a safari is the exact same color. Like if you go out on safari, like everything is just like the same like khaki tan color. And then the funny thing is, is like when you see a zebra in contrast to like the color of a safari, it's like so shocking. Like the black and white stripes, like the contrast of a zebra against the tan that is the Sahara, like it's, it is literally a shocking uh, difference. And when you look at a zebra standing on its own, do you know what they call a zebra standing on its own on a safari? They call it dinner, right? That's what they call a zebra by itself. And it's, it's not that God was like cruel and put zebras like in a place that was all tan and was like, I'm going to make them black and white, right? This is going to be funny. No, when zebras, like zebras are, are pack animals. When zebras, when they run together, the blend of their black and white stripes together, it, it throws off predators. It confuses them. And so zebras were meant to do life alone. When you see a zebra out on its own, right, it's dinner. And the same thing is true of you and I. We were never meant to walk alone. Right? The Bible describes our enemy as a prowling lion that's just waiting 
He's waiting for you to be alone. And I, I don't say that to scare you, but I say it to make you aware that you, as you go down this mountain, friend, right, temptation is real. You have an enemy that does not want to see you declare, Christ is my firm foundation. And when that temptation comes, who is going to be there to encourage you, to uplift you, to remind you? Start a group text. Stay accountable to one another. Start reading God's word together. Pray for one another. Worship through music together. Make life group, make youth group a commitment. Hey, make it a priority in your life. You need one another. So God's word, prayer, worship through music, each other. Make these four things the bumpers in your life that give you the course corrections to stay on track to following after Jesus. All four of those things have been things that we've done all week. It's been a part of the recipe that makes Hume Hume. When you wonder, why was that week so amazing? Y'all, we did those four things over and over and over and over again for five, six days. Go down the mountain and keep practicing these. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for tonight. God, thank you for just the gift that is Hume and this place to come up and to unplug, to spend time in community, God, to daily sit in a group of people that care about us, that ask us questions, to open up your word all week and to know and learn more about you, God, to worship through music. God, to just be in your creation, to look around and see the trees and the mountain. And God, just to take a deep breath. And I ask boldly, God, that you would raise up mighty men and women out of this room that wouldn't just have an incredible week, that wouldn't just experience the energy of camp or the movement of camp, God, but genuine, authentic transformation. As they go back home, God, would you use these students, would you use the mighty men and women that you raise up out of this room to expand your kingdom, to impact their families, their schools, their sports teams, their neighborhoods, that everywhere they go, God, would they be a beacon of light, not because of them, but because of you, because you dwell within us, and God, you have transformed and changed our lives. Would we not be able to stay silent? We love you. Thanks for loving us first. It's your name we pray.